Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, Stephen. Uh, my name's Amanda. I'm calling from Canada. And I'm calling to tell you about the first time I ever saw Jurassic Park. Um, I'm going to assume that it was the first Jurassic Park movie, although I can't really remember. I was a very small child. Um, and when I was a kid, we lived in a small town. Uh, my dad volunteered at our town hall, which was kind of one of the newer buildings in the town. Um, but it wasn't that fancy. It was like a very tiny village. Um, so at this town hall that we had uh every month we would put on movies um for people to come and watch and uh when my dad was volunteering there um doing you know work around the building and stuff uh because we had this big projector and this movie screen my dad would put on movies for me and my brother so he would be working away we'd be watching these movies and uh one time he decided to put on Jurassic Park um so I was about seven I'm gonna say seven and uh, he puts on this movie for us. He was like, cool, it's about dinosaurs. That'll be awesome. Um, so we're watching it, and he's off in another room doing his job. And uh, I guess, you know, I was a kid. So um, there's these, like, big scary monsters. And I got really scared. So back in the days of VHS tapes, I uh, somehow managed to get my hands on the VHS tape and a roll of duct tape. And before my parents could stop me, I taped the VHS tape into its uh, case so that nobody could ever watch that movie again um, because I was so terrified. 
So uh, my parents still tell the story all the time, and it's uh, pretty embarrassing, so I figured, why not put it on a podcast? So there you go. That's uh, my experience with Jurassic Park. Hey everyone, welcome back to See Jurassic Right, Minnesota edition. I uh, wanted to thank Amanda for that lovely voicemail that's so hilarious. I can see your story inspiring like a kid's movie where they the, the VHS tapes come to life and they have to defeat them or, you know, work with them or something like that. Or, you know, there's good and bad VHS tapes in like different movies, kind of like the page master or something. So that was so funny. Uh, thank you for sharing, Amanda. I appreciate that. Um, it's been really busy here in Sea Jurassic Rightland, so I wanted to just jump right in. Uh, we have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash Sea Jurassic Right. Uh, I'm going to thank everyone who's donated so far at the end of the episode. Really, really appreciate uh, you guys jumping in already and supporting the show that way. I just wanted to dive in and quickly describe what all the reward tiers are. Um, we have the $1 tier, which is, uh, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts, and that's just... Thank you for supporting the show, and you'll get a thank you at the end of every monthly mini-sode like this one. And then at the $3 level, it's See Somebody Cares, and you get a little uh, See Jurassic Right pin. I'll send that to you. Um, I had those made, um, and it's at the logo, so it's really cool. Um, and then $5, it gets more exciting. We have It's a Unix System, and this is a monthly bonus episode where I talk about just an interesting theory or just an interesting topic in the Jurassic Park universe, whether it's the books, the movies, maybe some behind the scenes stuff. Um, and the first one that I'm going to do is ways that the novels could hint at the plot or hint at elements of next year's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So if you want to donate uh, $5 to the Patreon, you can get that. Um, and then at the $10 level, I have Don't Worry, I'm Not Making the Same Mistakes Again. And this is a fun bonus monthly mini-sode where I do like a fun listicle, whether it's like top... Uh, you know, top 10 one-liners, top 10 favorite characters, just, you know, having fun with categorizing things, uh, top 10, like, human deaths by dinos or something, you know, just stuff like that, just having fun. Um, so that's at the $10 level. And then I have at the $15 level, which is Remind Me to Thank John for a Lovely Weekend, it's monthly ASMR-esque videos. Podcast options also available, where I'll just uh, read stuff from... I'll, I have a lot of dinosaur encyclopedias, basically, and I'll just read out of them, flip some pages. Maybe it'll be soothing for you. So that's at the $15 level. And then at the $20 level, I have... What have they gotten there? King Kong. And uh, so, yeah, at the $20 level, it's a full-length feature commentary where I'll watch Jurassic Park and just a bunch of other um, Jurassic Park-like movies, because obviously there's only four right now. So just whether it's other things in the Spielberg canon, in the Michael Crichton canon, other dinosaur movies, just things like that. And I'll just sit and uh, watch and do some commentary. And, you know, I'll have research, and so I'll have fun facts and things, and it'll be fun. And I might have some friends over, and maybe we'll have a beer or two or something like that while we watch the movies. So uh, that'll, be that'll be fun. Um, check it out at the $20 level. And then finally at the $75 level is Big Hat No Cattle. And this is really cool. Um, again, at the $75 level, I will compose or record an original folksy song um, about Jurassic Park, but the topic is basically up to you. Um, you know, and we'll figure it out. 
but essentially, yeah, I mean, all the music that you've heard on the show, with the exception of sort of the long instrumental tracks, but all the guitar, Casio, all that kind of stuff, ukulele is all mine. I'm a songwriter and a musician. So I don't know. I just want an excuse to do more stuff about Jurassic Park. So anyway, that's patreon.com slash see Jurassic, right? Um, I just want to be able to make more Jurassic Park related uh, stuff for you guys. And I've been having so much fun doing this podcast. So I just want to do it more and more. So check that out, patreon.com slash Right. And now I wanted to play a voicemail for my new friend, Michelle. Hi, Steven. Uh, I am a huge fan of yours, and I just discovered your podcast today. And it's absolutely everything that I've ever wanted from a podcast because I, too, am obsessed with the Jurassic Park. So much so that my senior of high school last year, I was senior class president, and I made my homecoming Jurassic Park theme. Um, I thought that it would be a really cool idea, and I convinced the rest of my student council to think it was a good idea, too. Um, so instead of having, you know, like, a Midnight in Paris-themed homecoming, we had a Jurassic Park-themed homecoming, complete with uh, a bunch of fake dinosaurs. Unfortunately, you know, real dinosaurs were not available for the night. A little bit out of budget. But, yeah, um... I would love to send you some pictures from the night, if that's all right. Yeah, I am just so happy that you made this podcast. I'm super excited to listen to the rest of it. And if you want to talk about the homecoming, uh, feel free to hit me up. All right, bye. Thanks, Michelle, for your voicemail. That's still, like I was saying before to you before, I think that's so freaking cool. Uh, My homecoming was in a dumb car museum. Uh, The fact that you convinced your entire class to do Jurassic Park and at the Natural History Museum is so cool. Um, I think everyone should just make everything Jurassic Park themed. Weddings, proms, homecomings, other kinds of dances, uh, cotillions, quinceañeras, all of it Jurassic Park themed. Uh, Thank you, Michelle. Um, In this one, this will lead me to dovetail into... um, Meeting Jeff Goldblum. That's right. Right as I was about to leave for Australia, New Zealand, very last second, um, I was chatting with Michelle and we're like, hey, Jeff Goldblum uh, plays jazz in L.A. at the Rockwell. But I always I just happen to miss it for some reason. And I used to live really close to there and I would just all of a sudden see pictures from it, like friends in L.A. and stuff like everyone has a Jeff Goldblum story. And I'd be like, ah, I was literally at home. I could have gone. So we were just talking and then all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, there's one in a few days. Should we go? And then I was just like, fuck this. Like I'm leaving for, (laughs) I'm leaving for two weeks to go on tour with my favorite murderer. Uh, But you know what? I can squeeze in a little Jeff Goldblum. So we went and he plays with his jazz band and it's basically an evening that is you pay to see Jeff Goldblum be Jeff Goldblum. And it's kind of incredible. He's such a, you know, warm guy who kind of, I think he just loves to be himself. And I think that's kind of pretty cool in that way. Um, And he puts on a really great show. And um, uh, shout out to the Nerdist crew. Uh, I saw Rachel and Michelle and uh, newly appointed uh, Nerdist crew member Amy. And Bob Odenkirk stopped it by and did did a cool thing with uh, Jeff Goldblum on stage. Um, of course, 
uh, Jeff Goldblum always does the, you know, scary in the dark. It's Jurassic Park. Um, and one other really cool thing about the evening was Vanessa Lee Chester, who played little Kelly Malcolm or Kelly Curtis. I, I don't feel like it's ever clear uh, what her last name is in the movies. Anyway, uh, Vanessa Lee Chester, who played Malcolm's daughter in The Lost World, uh, was there and they had a reunion. They hadn't seen each other in basically 20 years since the making of The Lost World. So it was kind of crazy to be there for that reunion and to see that on stage. It was really rad. Um, and then I got to meet Jeff Goldblum and get a picture with him because he does a thing where he's like, hey, look, we all want to get a picture with me, right? So uh, I'm going to structure this instead of like awkwardly trying to chase him down after the show or something. He just sets aside some time in the middle of the show for everyone to take a break, for his band to take a take five, take a smoke. Um, and then he takes a picture with everybody. And um, I was obviously very nervous. I've had the pleasure of meeting Michael Crichton and uh, Lauren Lapkus, um, my two my two first Jurassic Park connected uh, people. And I got to meet Jeff Goldblum. And luckily, I had definitely surpassed my two drink minimum and he just was very you know i mean he he probably gets this all the time and stuff but like what was really important to me was to tell him about this podcast and to tell as i mentioned people saw my instagram just like to just let him know that this movie you know these movies and this franchise and his work you know on these movies has really affected people positively and has been a not only a huge part of my life but you know, a lot of people listen to the show and everything and, and, you know, just appreciative that, um, to, you know, to, to him that you guys have been so willing to share your stories with me and for us to share the, our stories. And I just wanted to let him know that, you know, that kind of impact that he's made on all of us. And so, I mean, he looked touched and, uh, again, I surpassed the tune drink minimum. So I feel like I got what I needed out of it. So, um, it was a great time. And, I definitely think anybody who goes will not be disappointed. I think it's a really wonderful evening, uh, regardless of whether or not, you know, you're from the from the, you know, biggest Jurassic Park noob to the most hardcore fan. I think you're going to have a great time because Jeff Goldblum is just such a natural entertainer. And it was uh, yeah, it was that's that's all I need to say about it. It was great. So now I'm going to play a voicemail from Monica. Hi, Steven. <laughs> My uh, story is my dad took us to see me and my brothers uh, see Jurassic Park when it came out. We went on a day where the, the line is wrapped around the mall. We have a very small mall. We live in a small town in New Mexico, uh, Las Cruces. And uh, it was wrapped around the whole mall. It was a thick line. And then we went in to see it. And uh, I got scared at the T-Rex attack, which is fairly early in the movie, I feel, <laughs> to get scared. And I was little, you know, I was like almost almost 10 years old. So, you know, it scared the shit out of me. And then I, <laughs> then the rest of the movie, my dad held me in his lap with my face pressed against his chest and he would not let me look at the movie. So I watched like the raptor attack and all that stuff out the corner of my eyes. <laughs> so later on in my life when it finally came out on VHS you know a couple years later or a year later so I, 
Um, we watched it, and I loved it, and it's one of my favorite movies, and it always will be. My favorite part is the T-Rex attack. Someone said that was what I wanted to see the most when it came out in 3D. And uh, my mom and my, my mom and I went to see Jurassic World together, and um, I told her that story because on the way home from being scared of Jurassic Park, uh, on my dad, I, my dad had to pull over on the side of the highway to take me back to my mom. My mom and dad were horrified. Take me back to my mom, and uh, I got, I was so like, I threw up. I threw up on the side of the highway on the way home, and I went home and I put on my little, yeah, put on my. Batman Catwoman pajamas that I went to sleep. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to tell you that story. I love the podcast. It's really fun to listen to you. Um, you have the, the song is cool as hell. Anyway, uh, I'm here because of my favorite murder as well. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, again, it's a running theme that most of us saw Jurassic Park when we were probably a little too young. Um, I mean, it's still scary today in some parts. So um, that story definitely took a turn, uh, but that's crazy. I'm, uh, you know, movies are powerful in that way. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm glad you had a crazy time. Um, thank you. So now I wanted to get into my experience down under. I went to Australia and New Zealand on tour with My Favorite Murder which was an incredible time. And I got to meet so many people and so many sweet murderinos. And it was just, yeah, it was just an incredible time. And Karen and George are the best. And yeah, it was just awesome. But one really cool thing that I did was I ended up going to every natural history museum in Australia. So I went to the Queensland Museum in Brisbane. I went to the Melbourne Museum, Melbourne, in Melbourne. And I went to the Australian Museum in Sydney. And it was so cool. It just became this, I feel like all my hotels just ended up naturally being near them. So, uh, yeah, it was really cool um, to just see, uh, you know, dinosaurs in every city I went to. And it seems like you guys love the Mutaburrosaurus. It's a hadrosaur, duck-billed dinosaur, kind of like Parasaurolophus. I feel like it's Australia's dinosaur because um, I definitely saw it in every city I went to. Um, all the museums are really great. Again, just great displays, all kind of different flavors. The Australian Museum in Sydney's more old school and stuff, so it was fun to see that. They had a really great um, Dilophosaurus, um, like almost like just the rock that the Dilophosaurus was like flattened in, like that was really memorable. Um, the Melbourne Museum has a, had a really great um, the way that they structured the exhibit was where you were kind of like walking amongst this like menagerie of skeletons. Um, and the Queensland museum was just very like, um, it just had a very like calming energy and they had a lot of stuff like, like this kind of like live dino tracks kind of thing that was really cool. Anyway, it was awesome, but I wanted to just talk about Mudaburrosaurus for a second while we're learning about dinosaurs. And this species was initially described from a partial skeleton found by, um, Doug Langdon in 1963 at Roseberry Downs Station besides Thompson, by the beside Thompson River near Mudaburra, where the dinosaur is named named after in Queensland, and it um, the remains were collected by paleontologist Dr. Alan Grant, no, Dr. Alan Bartholomew Bartholomew, and entomologist Edward Doms. After lengthy preparation of the fossils, it was named in 1981 by Bartholomew. And Ralph Molnar, who was honored to discover 
was on who honored its discoverer with its specific name Langdonai. So that was really cool. Yeah, the Mudabrasaurus was awesome, and yeah, I had such a great time checking out all these natural history museums because I'm just obsessed with them in general. So I feel like it's just going to be something I do whenever I go travel. I'm just going to check out every uh, check out every natural history museum. And I would just wanted to quickly thank a few murderinos down under who gave me some incredible gifts. I'm still completely touched um, by all the really nice things. And again, every murderino is just so cool and so nice. And the fact that you guys got me these Jurassic Park things was just super sweet. Um, I got these beautiful mugs from Angel um, at Ex-Girlfriend's Rebellion. She's a fucking kick-ass designer making like all kinds of cool shit. Um, and yeah, they're just mugs that are just these like really neat drawings of, um, you know, uh, Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler and John Hammond and Ian Malcolm with kind of their key quotes. And you can, I'm going to put a link to her stuff because, um, she does all kinds of rad designs. So you should definitely check her out. Um, I wanted to thank my friend, my friend Priscilla, um, at Syl Renee on Instagram. She was super sweet. She found a couple OG Kenner action figures like the Triceratops and the Stegosaurus and the Dimetrodon and some JP comics and some stickers and things like that. Again, just um, super rad. They're on display now in my apartment. And I also wanted to thank uh, Alex at Alex Ray on Instagram. She gave me some Vegemite, which, you know, classic Australian um, dish thing spread. Um, and she photoshopped uh, she basically took the jar and then, um, had Alan Grant, like he's leaning on the Triceratops, except it's, uh, Vegemite. And I put these pictures on Instagram, which I'm sure you've seen by now. Um, but I'll put a link to it in the notes if you haven't. Um, yeah, again, I'm just had such a great time, uh, down under. Also wanted to mention that when the, um, last minisode came out, uh, I was actually in New Zealand with my friend Simon, who I went to Universal Studios with. So that was kind of funny timing. So we had some adventures in Auckland, which were really cool. And out near where she lives, there it definitely has like a Jurassic Park vibe with just the you know the flora and fauna and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I had such a great time in Australia and New Zealand. I can't wait to go back. I hope I can go back soon. Um, yeah, it was incredible. And then this ties into an email from my friend Emma, who actually ended up hanging out with in Sydney, and she's a Kiwi who now lives in Sydney, and her email says, Hi, Stephen, Penny Lane, and Dinosaurs. It was lovely meeting you, Stephen, in Coochie. Coochie. Uh, <laughs> adore the... It's a beach in Sydney. Uh, just outside of Sydney. Uh, adore the podcast, especially the chats about nostalgia and old movie theaters. Up until my 20s, I really don't have much memory of dress. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Park, I was more of a hunt for fairies in the garden bookworm type of kid. At the end of 2014, I started dating this guy. We dated by giving each other books to read. Zadie Smith's NW, Boris Vianth, uh, Froth on a Daydream. And I still adore those books to this day. Finally, he invited me round to his for a Christmas party, a Christmas Jurassic Park watching party. Again, like I said, make everything Jurassic Park themed. I arrived at his flat and there was fairy lights, drab retro furniture, unwashed dishes, half played bananagrams. We drank cheap bubbles, ate vegetable pie and watched Jurassic Park for what seemed like the first time, although I'm sure it wasn't. So for me, Jurassic Park is falling in love. We aren't together anymore, but the film still has so much nostalgia. P.S. I still have ongoing traumatic memories of seeing Lion King with my dad when I was five. Uh, when I was five, and I cried, and he told me to go outside the movie theater afterwards, and that his favorite character was the hyenas. We didn't speak for days. P.P.S. Please get a dinosaur tattoo. Lots of love, Emma. Thank you, Emma. And again, it was really nice grabbing coffee with you uh, in. Coogee, Coogee Beach. Um, and that's really cool. I mean, again, it's one of these things where, you know, the, the pop culture that we consume is always going to be associated with the memory, especially things like that, like falling in love, heartbreak, uh, you know, family, stuff like that. Divorce, obviously a big part of Jurassic Park for a lot of people um, are very much tied together. So um, I really appreciate you sharing this Jurassic Park story with me. Thank you. And to wrap up my time uh, when I was in Australia and New Zealand, I just wanted to give a couple notes because I reread the Lost World book. It had been like five or six years, and I know I was a little harsh on the Lost World the last time I talked about it, the novel. Uh, But rereading it, I definitely, there's a lot I didn't remember. Um, And so I just wanted to say five things about it that I thought were really interesting um, uh, about it. So that I appreciate a lot more now. And it feels like a response to the Jurassic Park, the movie. It almost has like a kind of Force Awakens kind of thing where like Jurassic Park was a myth, you know, like the Jedi are all extinct kind of thing, uh, which they kind of play with in interesting ways. I mean, again, I it's sort of a weird thing where it's like they don't like they take a long time to get to the dinosaurs again. And we're like, no, we know dinosaurs are back. It's not a mystery. But I kind of like the way that they play with the myth. So I, I think it works more than I remembered it working. Um, I really enjoyed the buddy comedy odd couple feel that is with Malcolm and the character of Richard Levine, who isn't in the Lost World movies. He's kind of like a spoiled brat, handsome, science, rich kid kind of guy. Michelle, who I read the email from earlier, we were mentioning how like Chris Pine or something like that could could play him in. Uh, if they ever, you know, if they actually made the character in the movie, there's something like kind of smug and punchable about him, but he's still like really handsome. Uh, and yeah, I, I like that buddy comedy aspect between them. I think it's the source of a lot of humor. And I think that this not, I think this book is one of Michael Crichton's funniest books. There's like a, a lot of detached irony in it where like there'll be lines where it's like describing something and then you'll just be like, that wasn't a horse or that's not a horse or like two beers. I don't know. It's just like somebody saying dino farts after seeing a dinosaur fart. I don't know. Uh, um, 
Oh, that was a hell of a night. There's a lot of like Malcolmisms kind of over overall. The vibe has this kind of detached irony, absurdity kind of feel that I think makes it definitely one of Crichton's funniest novels, actually. And I really love the relationship between Sarah Harding and Kelly, uh, who isn't Malcolm's daughter in the book version. Um, and there's the sort of uh, idolization of Sarah from Kelly because Sarah is obviously this you know, works with in the book, like is a works with a lot of um, with big game animals and stuff. And she's a kind of a scientist in the field and she's a tough woman, um, but she's her own woman. And so Kelly's sort of as a, you know, as a, as a little girl growing up in, in, you know, we're still growing up in this, but in this age where it's like, uh, you know, girls can't be good at math and stuff like that. And uh, there's a there's a lot of great stuff between them where sort of Kelly kind of comes into her own in this adventure and she kind of looks up to Sarah Harding and they go on this great motorcycle chase together where Kelly has the gun and and Sarah's driving and they're driving after this raptor. That whole sequence is awesome and I would love to see that used in a film in some way someday. Uh, I really love the relationship between Sarah and Kelly in the book that um, that never, you know, that really never comes into play in the movie and stuff. But I really appreciate that from Crichton, who isn't that great with women most of the time. So um, I thought that really stood out to me this time reading it. And I really recommend people read it just for that, if anything. And the whole ending of the book is really good. It, it ends up the way that all the action comes together is really cool. And then the last thing I wanted to say, speaking of action, is the Carnotauruses, which uh, as far as carnivores go, they're definitely my favorite carnivores. And the way that they use the carn uh, the carnotauruses in the book are so cool and so spooky and creepy and just very different than how we've ended up seeing in any of the movies. They did the camouflage thing in Jurassic World, but not like the way that they do it in the Lost World book. Um, and for that alone still is, you know, one of my favorite aspects of the book and always will be. So I just wanted a little, little, um, you know, corrections corner about the lost world. Um, I think a lot of my criticisms still stand, but I think these five things, uh, ultimately, obviously I love the book and these five things are sort of renewed my appreciation for the book. So I'm really glad I reread it. So now that I've been back, uh, from Australia, New Zealand, I'm actually going to be in, uh, Detroit and Toronto, um, when this mini-sode comes out. But while I briefly set back down in LA, I went to Dinosaur Day at the Natural History Museum here in Los Angeles. And Dinosaur Day is a pretty new thing. It's essentially just... Uh, the Natural History Museum has just two really wonderful dinosaur spaces there, the Dino Lab and then the main fossil hall. But now it's there's tons of vendors and food trucks and it's definitely newer and it's definitely growing and I'm really excited to see what happens, you know, where it goes. Last year I saw Kyle Hill from Nerdist do an uh, interview with uh, Jack Horner. So that was really awesome. And uh, this year the JP Motor Pool was there. So there was two Jeep Wranglers, there was a Ford Explorer, and there was even one of the vehicles from Jurassic World, which was pretty dope. And so I got some good pictures of that, which I posted on Instagram. But the biggest thing to come out of Dino Day 2017 was that California officially has its own dinosaur. Hold for applause. So, yeah, apparently only 10 states have official state dinosaurs. But, hey, California now has one. So 
Um, there's an article in Mercury News, which I read, um, and the dinosaur's name is Augustinolophus Morrisi. What? I mean, Morris is a very common last name, so clearly it was named after me. But no, it's so cool. Um, and yeah, this Mercury News article where I got where I got this description from is really rad. So at long last, California has an official state dinosaur, Augustinolophus Morrisi whose fossilized remains have been found only in California. To the delight of science lovers everywhere, Governor Jerry Brown over the weekend signed into law a bill adding the extinct duck-billed creature to the growing list of state insignia that includes a golden poppy, the California grizzly bear, and most recently denim as the state's fabric. Makes sense. In 1939, Augustin Alophus Morrisai remains, including skull material, were found in the Marina Formation of Fresno County. The dinosaur was named after geologist and paleontologist William J. Morris, shout out, who discovered many dinosaur remains along North America's western coast, and Gretchen Augustin, a longtime Natural History Museum supporter. Scientists believe it roamed the Earth at the same time as the better-known Tyrannosaurus and Triceratops. Little is known about the dinosaur other than that, like all of their duck-billed species, it was a plant eater. So Augustin Alophus looks like, to me... Looks a little bit like a Sorolophus or um, how do you say that? Um, Tizintosaurus or Prosorolophus. Like, you know, Parasorolophus, the one in Jurassic Park, has the kind of long, uh, you know, backwards facing bill or like horn. Or like Corythosaurus in Jurassic Park 3 has the kind of fan shaped. Uh, Augustinolophus has kind of just has more of a hump that kind of sticks upward a little bit. It's got like a little stick on its head kind of thing. Um, but it's super rad, and it's awesome that we have our own state dinosaur. Guys, in California, that's so cool. Uh, although I feel like, at least in the, I feel like if, if 10 states are going to have dinosaurs, why not every state? So, but that's my that's my question for the day. Uh, not really, but so anyway, I'm excited for Dino, what DinoFest has to bring next year. Um, and yeah, I want to read two more emails. Um, and these are two people who wrote in telling me their favorite scenes in Jurassic Park. So I wanted to read those. And the first one is from, from Sid and Sid says, hi, Steven, love the podcast and wanted to share my favorite Jurassic Park scene with you, which is hands down the clever girl slash velociraptor pack hunt of Muldoon. I love the foreshadowing at the beginning of the movie where Dr. Grant talks about velociraptors use coordinated attack patterns as well in giving details on how they go about their attacks, giving you this immediate fear and understanding as to why they were such dangerous creatures and not six foot turkeys. When Muldoon is speaking about the lead velociraptor and says, when she looks at you, you can see she's thinking, working things out. I feel like you can perfectly understand what he's referring to when she emerges from the leaves during the clever girl scene. As well, I feel like it is almost as if they knew all along that he would die at the hands, claws, of these creatures by the way he emphasized how dangerous they were on multiple occasions. They're lethal at eight months, and I do mean lethal. I also love the tension that's building during the whole scene, the quiet, suspenseful music. You can feel your whole body tense up as he puts down his hat and starts readying the gun to fire at the Velociraptor straight ahead. And just when you get nervous excitement for what is going to happen next, the bushes start moving to his side. Jurassic Park has been my favorite movie since I remember and needless to say, Velociraptors are my favorite dinosaurs. I love them so much that I have a tattoo of them. Oh, that's so awesome. I want to see. Send me a picture. 
I'm really looking forward to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and hope that it lives up to all of our expectations. Thank you for all the work that you do in this podcast and all the others you work on. You make the last Tuesday of every month so much better. Cheers, Sid. Well, thank you, Sid. I really appreciate those kind words. Um, And yeah, I mean... I mean, just, yeah. I mean, what is there to say about the Clever Girl scene? It's it's perfect in every way. And, you know, it, Muldoon's such a great character. It's kind of a shame that he kicks the bucket in the movie because I feel like I'd want to see him go on more adventures. And R.I.P. Bob Peck, maybe he'll live on in a, you know, if, you know, if we had it our way, there'd be prequel comics and side adventures and stuff. And, and it would be cool to see or to learn more at least about what Robert Muldoon was up to while, um, you know, getting the Raptor program into place. So um, thank you, Sid. So the last email is from Kayla. And, uh, oh, I didn't read the descriptions or the titles. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, she Her email is titled, Fave Scene, Dinos in the Kitchen. Hi, Stephen. I love Jurassic Park. I am so excited to listen every month and go on this journey with you. When I was little, my parents moved into a house we're in now, and my brother's room had giant dinosaurs painted on the walls. It was honestly such a beautiful piece of art. I became fascinated with dinosaurs since then, and it's never left me. So when I saw Jurassic Park as a little kid, and that scene that always, the scene that always stuck with me, and is my favorite, is when Lex and Tim run to the kitchen to hide from the raptors. You see the raptor eye in the doorway, and it's such an adrenaline rush to watch them run in between the aisles to stay away. I always think about, what if it had been me and my brother? Would we have been able to escape so methodically? Probably not. Ha <laughs> ha. Thanks for starting this podcast. Now I can stop thinking I'm so weird for being obsessed with dinosaurs. Kayla. Thank you, Kayla, for that email. Um, I mean, I, I pound for pound, the kitchen scene is still one of the scariest, most suspenseful scenes. And, you know, I would say, you know, American blockbusters or what have you. And I would say it's still the scene that's still pretty terrifying. I think the T-Rex scene i mean there's moments that are like still so scary but i think in terms of just like nail biting moments the kitchen scene is still scary to this day so um and also that wall mural sounds really dope um i wish i had uh, more dino art on my walls personally so uh thank you kayla now before we wrap up this i mean calling it a mini sode is pretty much a lie um but I feel like, I mean, I've been going on so many Jurassic Park adventures. I hope every month is this packed. And uh, again, I really appreciate everyone who's sending their voicemails and emails. And it's really amazing and sweet. Um, but I want to say a couple other things before we get out of here. And that is to check out the Instagram account called I Look Like Laura Dern 1. And it's a comedian named Maria Wojcikowski. Um, I'm totally butchering that. I'm sorry, Maria. She's a very funny comedian and she has an Instagram account about how she looks like Laura Dern. And it's really amazing. She recreates not only stuff from Jurassic Park, but Twin Peaks or Rolling Stone cover. So if you want more Laura Dern in your life and these funny recreations that she does, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, I look like Laura Dern one, um, by comedian Maria Wojcikowski. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, Maria. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. She's hilarious. And yeah, it's great. So um, also a bit of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom news while we're here. Um, as you know, uh, the first trailer for Jurassic World came back out around Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving, I believe, uh, 2014. So it looks like Jurassic 
looks like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is going to follow suit with that, or at least around Thanksgiving. So I'm super excited about that. I actually have on my uh, old YouTube channel a sort of reaction video to the Jurassic World trailer. So I might do something like that again. I don't know. Um, I think that'd be fun. Let me know if you want to do that. Um, But I definitely will, uh, when that comes out, I definitely will want to have my thoughts fresh to you guys. And I'm really excited uh, to see it. And I'm really excited to hear what you guys think about it too. So um, yeah, that'll be around when like the sixth mini-sode comes out or the something like that. So um, be be on the lookout for that. I'm really excited to see it. I hope you guys are too. Um, And then the last thing is, uh, before thanking the Patreons, is uh, for next month's mini-sode, it's going to come out on Halloween. So I wanted to see what your Halloween costumes look like, especially Jurassic Park themed uh, again, you can always call uh, 323-688-6969 or email at gmail.com or tag me. Um, I want to see uh, what Jurassic Park costumes you guys have come up with over the years. Um, as a kid, I dressed up as the raptor from, I, I had like the crappy raptor costume. And I've dressed up as dress, you know, as characters from Jurassic Park Bunch. So I'll be sharing those with you guys over the month of October. So uh, Halloween's my favorite holiday. So I'm super excited about that. And now, without further ado, wanted to thank everyone who's contributed to the Patreon so far. Again, that's patreon.com slash Right. And so I wanted to thank Morgan and Lisa and Margaret and Faith and Colby um, and Sarah and Maris, or Maris, sorry, um, Isabella, uh, Bella, um, uh, Alyssa, Madison, uh, Allison, and Michelle. And so you've heard of some of these people on voicemails or emails um, in these mini-sodes and episodes and stuff. So, again, it means so much to me that um, you have started supporting the show in this way from the beginning. Again, every little bit counts to keep the fences operational and the park online. So, um, thank you all so much uh, for supporting the show um, so far. And if you want to support the show, again, it's patreon.com slash Uh This has been a blast. I can't believe I talk so much. But again, thank you for your voicemails and emails and everything. And um, yeah, until, uh, until next month. Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJRPod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicride at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood, and oh god, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well, and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.